Well, there was a rich man, and he was determined, he was absolutely determined to give his mom the best gift ever. Better than all the other people, he wanted to make sure that he just was putting the awe factor in his gift. And, and so he found a, a, a bird that had a vocabulary of over 4,000 words. The bird spoke three languages. In fact, the bird could actually sing two different opera. And oh, he was so excited. And so he, he shipped the bird to his mom, and, and, and then he, he found out that it was delivered. And, and so the next day, he, he called up his mom. He said, Mom, Mom, oh, happy birthday. I hope you had a great birthday. Did, did you get the bird? She said, oh, honey, I did. It was so delicious. I read some stats on time we spend on different things in our lives. And these, these were crazy for me. In fact, I was spending time reading these stats. But this is based on the average American person. We will spend in our lifetime 26 years of our life sleeping. Some of it while I'm preaching. Oh, that wasn't in my notes. That was a freebie. Almost four years of our life, we will be eating. Four and a half years of our life will be spent driving. Ten years of our life will be spent at the workplace. The average person in America spends 9.1 years of their life watching television. Of those 9.1 years, Two years are spent watching commercials. The average woman will spend 1.1 years cleaning. Six months for the man. We each spend three months stuck in traffic of our life. In a study conducted in 2013, they found that an American will spend 70% of their entire walking life. That's a long time in front of digital media, TV, phones, monitors, game systems, radio, and I just assume that's going to go up. 90% of our time on earth, 90% of our time on earth will be spent indoors. So if the average person lives to 78.6 years, that means 71 years of your life you will be in a building. The average American will eat one ton of food each year. That's 2,000 pounds of food. Approximately 273.2 pounds of fruit, 73 pounds of poultry, 110 pounds of red meat, 415 pounds of vegetables. I'm not going to be guilty of that. <laughs> the American diet also includes a, a yearly consumption of 85 pounds of fats and oils, 53 gallons of pop, 23 pounds of pizza, 29 pounds of french fries. Wow. As we look back at the last few weeks of our seven deadly sins, uh, we, we've talked about pride. And we, we've talked about uh, the all-inclusive sin of pride. And then we talked about the green-eyed monster of envy. And today I have the opportunity to teach on a subject that truly rarely ever gets talked about from a pulpit. It, it, it truly... Uh, it, it's overlooked, 
and it's many times mislabeled. And, and, and you know what? I asked Pastor Dave to teach this week on gluttony, and he passed. Wisdom, wisdom. You see, our focus as Christians needs to continue to truly be on Jesus Christ. It truly needs to be on Jesus Christ and the things we say, the things we talk about, the things we think about, the things we eat, the things we do, the things we don't do. Somehow, some way, we've got to figure out how in the world can we give glory to the King of Kings in everything that we do. And we're going to dig into some scripture and we're going to try to understand together what this sin of gluttony is all about. If you're like me, as soon as you hear gluttony, you immediately think of food, and maybe that's what you think the fork is all about. You start thinking, I'm going to talk about someone's waistline. Or maybe you think I'm, I'm talking about someone that just eats constantly. Gluttony comes from the Latin word, uh, which means gulp down. And it's usually used in reference, obviously, with overconsumption of eating or drinking. But from a Christian perspective, it, it, it's just so much broader. And, and it just amazed me as I studied this week. I had a lot of time at home. I couldn't drive. Um, and, and so I just spent a lot of time reading and researching and, and studying. And it just amazed me. Thomas Aquinas said, gluttony denotes not any desire of eating and drinking, but an inordinate desire, leaving the order of reason, wherein the good of moral virtue consists. Chris Donato, who's the director of communications at Trinity International, he said, two mistakes accompany most discussions of gluttony. The first is that it only pertains to those with a less than shapely waistline. The second is that it always involves food. In reality, it can apply to toys, it can apply to television, it can apply to entertainment, sex, relationships. It can apply to all kinds of things. It's, it's all about gluttony, is all about access, he said. An article that Pastor Tim sent me, I mean, this is one of the greatest one-liners that I thought that I read all about gluttony. I think Jacob has it for us here. The true danger of gluttony is not that it will lead to a flabby waistlines, but that it will lead to flabby souls. And this is what killed me all week. I read this line on Monday or Tuesday. And so I had to sit with this line so much to think about it for myself. I was telling Pastor Dave before, the, before we walked in here for the service, and, and I said, the trouble about these seven deadly sins is that I'm studying them so much, I'm so convicted. Not that I'm not convicted in normal messages, but when you start digging into an actual, a detailed sin, the Lord starts affecting you. And it, it came to me, and it came to my thoughts that, why am I not doing that all the time? Why am I not looking at all the different things within Scripture and, and wanting to be convicted by the Holy Spirit so, I can, so it can cause change in Phil Chapman? And when I grow then, then I can 
teach that on and pass it on. Proverbs 23, 20 through 21 says, Do not or be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will cloth them with rags. Philippians 3.19 says, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Well, in order for us to address this, what we call the acceptable sin, the acceptable sin, we need to put gluttony in its proper place. We need to put it in its proper place, and we have to understand uh, and, and un what the meaning is of gluttony. If I were to say it simply, I were to say that gluttony is unrestrained overconsumption. Unrestrained overconsumption. And I, I have tried to uh, meditate on, on that little phrase. I don't know if it's a two-word phrase or if it's a three-word, if that's a hyphenated word. Unrestrained overconsumption. And, and, and I'll tell you what, this, this alludes to many different things. Just like I said in the introduction, it wears different masks, and, and it, it masquerades in different ways. First of all, obviously, eating. Eating. Eating uncontrolled amounts of potato chips, like I can do, to drinking large amounts of pop, where it doesn't even fit in your cup holder in your car. You know, 7-Eleven, they're home to the super double big gulp that has 64 ounces, which is a half a gallon. The super double big gulp for 99 cents. 7-Eleven has come out with the X gulp. It's called the X gulp. The X gulp, because 64 ounces wasn't enough, has 150 ounces one gallon and almost a quarter. This is unrestrained consumption. <laughs> Seriously, think about that. Jacob walks around sometimes with a gallon of water. He's been drinking tons of water. And, and I, I just think that would be full of pop. Or, and more. And people were talking about how they were so excited for the exculp. Here's a look at some of the restaurants, how they've helped us with this overconsumption. Jacob? So here's how, how things have changed over the years, and we, we all know this. We've talked about this before. Uh, you probably talked about within your family, but everything from 20 years ago, and I think this was in 2013, they, they have just changed all the portions. The small fries at McDonald's, you know, that used to be the fries at McDonald's, and now you get the supersize. I like the muffin. That was a great idea to make that bigger. But all of these things are just becoming larger, and, and it's, it's helping us on the side of food. However, stuff that we eat and drink, the stuff that we eat and drink they aren't the only things that we have unrestrained overconsumption. Entertainment is another area. 
entertainment is another area. And I, I immediately think of Netflix. I think of Netflix, and it, Netflix has 47 million subscribers. They're making some cash. If you don't know what Netflix is, I'm guessing Pastor Dave doesn't, it's a streaming video service where you can stream things to your TV, to your phone, uh, to your, not Tom's phone, to, to your computer, and, and it streams over the internet. And I'm sure that many of you here have Netflix like the Chapmans do. Just in the year 2015, in the year 2015, Netflix users watched 42.5 billion, that's billion with a B, 42.5 billion hours worth of videos. That's 100 million hours a day of people watching streaming videos. Now here's the interesting thing about Netflix, and maybe you don't know that. Netflix doesn't have commercials. It doesn't have any commercials. And, and in fact, Netflix has TV series. So you can, you can punch into a TV series and you can see season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And within those, they go in order, one through 12 or whatever it is. So if you're like me, old school, I punch in MacGyver and, and, and I start watching MacGyver. And, and they go and they get to that cliffhanger. If you guys, some of you guys watch MacGyver. Who watched MacGyver? Raise your hand if you ever watched MacGyver. Okay, MacGyver was awesome. Okay. Dave, you don't know MacGyver? Okay, so MacGyver's awesome. So, so it gets to a cliffhanger right as the commercial goes, but in Netflix, one second later, I get to see the next scene. Well, the problem also with Netflix is that not only is it skipping the commercial, but as the, as the episode ends and as the credits start coming, they go up into a little box on the screen and you see a countdown of 20 seconds. And when those 20 seconds are done, guess what happens? The next episode in the order starts playing. You don't have to touch your remote. You can sit back and just watch show after show after show. According to Netflix statistics, that's called binge watching, by the way, 70% of their viewers are binge watchers who will watch many shows in a row. Perhaps the definition of binge TV would be my daughter, Maddie Chapman, yesterday. Maddie, yes, she mowed the grass yesterday and she cleaned the kitchen and, and, and she took care of dinner. Mom's in Wisconsin and, and, and she uh, got the dishes put away. But I counted, I calculated that Maddie consumed 528 minutes of Netflix yesterday until I cut her off. Perfect picture for today, a binge TV watching. I would say that that was unrestrained overconsumption. Well, gluttony is also seen in our extravagant living. Extravagant living. How could you not think of the parable of the lost son when you think of extravagant living? Luke 15, 11 through 13 says, 
There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of, my, of property that is coming to me. So he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Just without regard, extravagant living, unrestrained control. Extravagant living leads to a spiritual complacency. We're not thinking about God when we're doing extravagant living. Zephaniah 1, 12-13 says, At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods, they're focused on their goods. They'll be plundered. Their houses that they built and that they spent all their money will be laid to waste. Though they keep building houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they're spending all their time, all their energy, everything towards building wealth. They shall not drink wine from their vineyards. Gluttony also includes expending of resources. Expending of resources. It's about self-indulgence to the extreme. And it's about overconsumption of water, of energy, natural resources. And I see that all the time. How many times, maybe moms and dads here, where you walk through the house and you see all the lights on within the house. We don't even think about that. We don't even care about it. In fact, this dad usually does a count. One, two, three, and I'm counting every time I'm turning a light off. And the amount of lights that I turn off are ridiculous. Do you guys get those from ComEd or wherever where it says your comparison? To, I mean, we're, maybe, it's, maybe they just do it to everybody, but ours is off the charts every single time. And, and, and so then I think, man, we're just squandering. And everyone in North America is probably guilty of this somehow. We, we take up about 8% of, of all the population in the entire world, yet we consume one-third of the world's resources. Half of the world's garbage comes from America. <clears throat> Gluttony, man, it wears many masks. Eating, entertainment, extravagant le living, and, and, and just expending of our resources. I think we have to recognize, and, and I think this is what I did for my own self, is I just recognize that gluttony is poisonous. It really is. It's poisonous, and, and it affects us in so many ways that we don't even understand, that we don't even realize, and we just do it because that's our habit in America. We lose sight of the future. That's the first thing. We lose sight of the future. We actually think of, of just about today, this moment, and we forget that there is a future that we should be thinking about. You know, I think about the most famous moment of, of all time of gluttony. The most famous moment. In fact, I, I didn't even know that this moment was gluttony until this week. And I think it's the most famous one. It, there they are. Enjoying God's beauty, literally having unlimited amount of resources, unlimited amount of food and supplies, 
and almost, almost an unlimited amount of boundaries. But they find themselves wanting more. You see, there is this one tree. There is this one tree that they could not eat from. And yet Adam and Eve, they wanted more. And they sought, out, sought it out to eat more, to take in more, to gain more. It was unrestrained overconsumption. They weren't thinking about tomorrow. They lost sight of their future. Just the other day, we were, we were at Uncle Lair's Pizza in Plano. Have you ever had Uncle Lair's Pizza in Plano? Anyone here? I, I got Denny shaking his head in my family. It, it's, it's truly amazing, pizza. Uh, if, if you're, they almost, you almost are wanting to be unrestrained when you're at Uncle Lair's Pizza. And it couldn't have been a better example for today. We're sitting there eating pizza. Maddie wasn't with us. Allie was working. Allie, you probably didn't even know we went to Uncle Lair's. <laughs> Man, I shouldn't have told this story. Um, and we're eating the pizza. And you truly don't have to be hungry to eat this pizza. You could just keep eating it. Right, Denny? Oh, I think it's great. My palate still enjoys it. <laughs> okay, so we're eating, and Jacob is there, and, and Jacob makes the comment to Grandma Sue. He says, I think I can eat this whole pizza. We ordered three large pizzas because we wanted to take leftovers home. And we needed to take some home to Maddie because she was at practice. And, and Grandma Sue says, Jacob, don't worry about tomorrow. Eat as much as you can. And I thought, that's perfect. That's, that is our theme. That's what we do. We will sit there and we will eat and eat, and all of a sudden we're done with the bag of chips. Or, or we're, we're done with those brownies that came home. Or, or whatever it is. Or we'll eat all the pizza. We get so focused on consuming something that, that everything else doesn't matter. We get so focused on our piece of technology, and this is for kids and adults alike, that we forget everything around us. We're focused on that piece of technology. There was a Facebook uh, video that I saw where these kids were so focused on their technology, so looking at their technology. Literally, they're like this, or playing video games, or Snapchatting, or I don't know what they were doing, that they switched out the parents during this sitting out having dinner, and new moms and dads came in and sat down and started eating with them. And then they turned the internet off. And all of a sudden, the kid looked up, and everybody at the table wasn't their family. And so the kid just walked away, <laughs> like scared. Unrestrained overconsumption. This poison is so bad that we're willing to sacrifice the greater for the lesser. And that's what happens with gluttony. Esau. I mean, Esau is immediately uh, who I go to in my thoughts. Genesis 25, verses 29 through 34. Listen to the story and put 
your name for the name of Esau. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of the red stew, for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and Lenten stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Man. Sacrificing the greater for the lesser. How many times do we do this with finances? We've got to have that TV. And so we use the credit card, and now all of a sudden the cost is there for the next two years as you're paying off the credit card because we want the greater right now. The Super Bowl's coming. Or, or, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. That's why credit card companies are so rich because we, we fill it in what we think is greater, but we're really trading it for the lesser. The poison also causes us to become selfish and neglect the needs of others. All of these, I could have gone about 15 minutes worth each one. And I literally had to keep stopping myself and saying just, it's not about the amount of words I say. I just want to make sure you understand the points that I'm getting because it's really affected me and my own outlook. We see that governments around the world, rulers and kings and dictators, how they, they just gain massive wealth and, and actually uh, put poverty into the people as they amass their wealth. Their, their focus is on themselves, and, and they don't care about others. In Ethiopia, where I serve several times, I've served there, I've asked thousands of questions. I'm just very inquisitive about things like that. The, the prime minister there has an undisclosed salary. But many people believe it's estimated in the millions and millions and millions of U.S. dollars. So I, I think I saw some report that it's something, something around $380,000 a day, U.S. dollars a day. Lots and lots of money. The highest paid professional in Ethiopia, they have an assigned salary scale, the government does, is $4,116 a year. That hasn't changed since 2011. That's the highest paid professional. They get paid every month. That's the way it is for everybody there. The average person in Ethiopia makes $2 a day. I'm truly not saying that everyone should be paid the same. That's not, that's not the case that I'm trying to make here. I'm not about uh, equal distribution of wealth. But I am saying that when you're intentionally creating poverty, you're intentionally creating uh, discomfort for others, you're in serious danger of being a glutton. If you're eyeing out that cheeseburger in the kitchen, let me make it real for you. If you're eyeing out that cheeseburger in the kitchen, and you know that, and you've already had two, 
and you know that your little brother hasn't even eaten one yet, and yet you eat it anyway, you might be a glutton. There, there are so many examples I can, I can take to this. And this feeds right into our next poison of us serving our hungers instead of God. So folks, I, I'm truly being serious. Not that I've been joking this whole time, but this sin is so, is so dangerous. It really is. And, and, and I have been so convicted of my own gluttonous activity, whether eating or watching TV or spending money or consuming my resources, whatever it might be, the conviction has been extremely real for me. And I keep asking myself this whole week, why? Why, Phil? Why, why, why am I serving myself rather than serving the king? Why do I keep doing it? Whatever it might be. See, when we're serving our own hungers, we actually start sabotaging our well-being. And that's what we've been trying to figure out. We don't become greater by being gluttonous. We may get more food, or we may get more money, or we may uh, get a much bigger waistline. You know, gluttony doesn't have to do with caloric, caloric intake. It's not about calories. Michael Phelps, Michael Phelps, the swimmer, eats over 12,000 calories a day when he's training. But he needs it because of his regimen, because of the amount of exercise he is doing. But Michael Phelps may be guilty of gluttonous behavior in his activity. It may be overdoing. What's the title of this? Too much, when too much of a good thing becomes sin. When, it, when it's taken our focus off the only thing that should be our number one focus. And what is that? What is it? Jesus. Jesus is our number one focus. And so many things takes Phil Chapman's focus away from the king. Unrestrained overconsumption. And this poison causes us to lose sight of the future. It causes us to sacrifice things that are, that are greater for things that are much lesser. We become selfish, and we actually we start neglecting others. We serve our own hungers instead of honoring and serving God Almighty. And we just find ourselves sabotaging our well-being. So we have to, we have to do some pondering. I'm going to have Julie come up. We have to do some pondering of our own. We need to figure out what captures my heart. Notice I use the word my. I want this to be personal. What captures my heart? What, cap what consumes my hours? And what controls my happiness? So instead of, of me, I, I, I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to hash this all out. 
I have all kinds of things written, but I thought, no, I need you guys to write it, just like I'm writing it for myself. So, so you, Jacob, go to the next one. So you could have three, three columns you just create on your own. You could do it as small, as big as you want, but I really challenge you. I'm really going to stop talking here for several minutes. And I, and I want you to take a, take a moment to, to write what captures your heart. What are the things in your life right now that are capturing your heart? What's consuming you in all of your hours? Is it Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TV? What controls your happiness? What makes you happy? I ask that question to myself all the time. What makes me happy? And why am I not happy? So would you do that? Would you, would you write these down, young and old, kids and adults, take some time and just ponder these?
Friends, you, this is a good habit to get into, a good habit to, to dig into our own thoughts and to seek God and, and to keep looking and, and to try to figure out, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And, and some of the things you wrote down could be excellent, wonderful things. Some of the things could be just things that are so good that they're actually not good. You're, you're making them too good in your life. So we need to destroy gluttony, and we need to do it in the right way and the right practices. First, we need to acknowledge our appetites, and that's exactly what we're doing here. We're acknowledging what our appetites are, what are the things that we are uh, over-focused on, over-consuming, out of control. Second, you and I, we need to we need to strive for self-control. Whether that's putting time limits on things, that, that, that's putting accountability partners uh, within us. We, we need to be begging God for help. We need to get self-control over our gluttonous behaviors. And, and I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself. I, I could be in here by myself right now. Finally, and this is the crucial one, we need to become gluttons for the things of God. I'm telling you, become gluttons, but be gluttons for the things of God. We need to strive all of our lives and all of our energies. That has to be our utmost. And I know that our relationship with our spouse is crucial. Our relationship with our children is vital. Our relationship with our neighbors is extremely beneficial. But our relationship with Jesus Christ has to be number one. We have to understand that God is the only thing that we can't have too much of. We truly can't have too much of God. Everything else in life has limits. Our devotion to Jesus Christ, our commitment to service with Him, it's eternal. We need to understand that our focus isn't about today, it's about eternity. So I end on one last story. A woman was diagnosed with terminal illness, and she was given three months to live. She asked that her pastor to come and discuss her final wishes. She told her which songs that she wanted sung, what things she wanted, what scriptures. And she said, oh, one, one more thing. I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. The pastor obviously was surprised as you were as you walked in today. And the woman ex explained, in all the years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, and I'm sure she must have come to Village Bible Church in Shabana, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably say to everyone, keep your fork. It was my favorite time of dinner because I knew something better was coming, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful. So I want people to see me in that casket with a fork in my hand and wonder, what's with the fork? Then I want you to tell them, Keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. The pastor's eyes welled up 
with tears of joy as, as he bid the woman goodbye. And he realized she had a better grasp of heaven than he did. And he knew something better was coming. And at the funeral, when people asked him why she was holding the fork, the pastor told him about the conversation. He said he could not stop thinking about the fork, and he knew that probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. And he was right. So Village Bible Church, I tell you, Jacob, keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. Our focus is on eternal life, and the best is yet to come. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you are eternal. We are so grateful for who you are and for what you have provided for us. You've provided everything that we need. You've provided comfort. You've provided security. You've provided hope. And what's to come, you've already provided it. Thank you, God. Help us and teach us all of our days that our focus can move away from things and stuff to you. The best is yet to come. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.